Welcome to The Raise Podcast. I'm Carol Barwick. We're here to raise your confidence and inspire your creativity. Each episode, we will have a different guest who will be discussing our Raise Word. The Raise Word is a word that will encourage you or empower you and at times inspire you to explore the word a little more for yourself. Well, hello and welcome to the Raise podcast. I'm Carol Barwick. We've already looked at the word harmony and today we're going to look at the word hope, a word that is so important at the moment. And it's fantastic because I had hoped that the guest that we have on today would do an episode and here he is. So I'd like to welcome David Nussbaum. David, how are you doing this morning? Uh, good morning. Uh, I'm doing well and my broken ankle is getting much better. That is that is good. Do you want to tell us about your broken ankle? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> well, people keep asking, did you do it skiing? And the answer right. is no. I did it walking on the pavement at three o'clock in the afternoon, 200 metres from home, where there was an icy patch and I slipped and fell. I'm so sorry. That That does sound disappointing. Could you not say that you did it? skiing or or something else David well, you do I, so many interesting things I'm sure you could find a really interesting reason why you broke your ankle I could I could find many interesting <laughs> reasons and many interesting <laughs> stories the trouble is I have this sort of nagging thing about truth that right sort of, you know it, it's sort of a, a, a bit of an issue just to um uh, truth, and, truth, gets, truth gets in the way doesn't it and it also does. family I would imagine if you kind of did a wonderful article about how you broke your ankle pursuing lions in Africa while you were over there some member of the family might say actually dad wasn't it just down the road <laughs> on a back <laughs> so yeah it, we've got a habit of uh, these things coming out haven't we but we digress already which is wonderful um, we are going to be talking all about hope today. Uh, so my first question to you, David, is what does hope mean to you? I think to me, hope means that I'm, I'm aware of the possibilities ahead. Wow. And I'm not locked into it's there's only one possible good outcome here but that things might surprise me might surprise us uh imagination is open to to what could could come without being completely unrealistic what a wonderful answer i was talking to a lady called um julie wilkinson uh, in episode 19 we were talking about story and one of the things that julie does is create hope and that sounds very much like your answer the possibility of of things to come it's about it's about kind of believing in the unknown isn't it creating those possibilities um where have you seen that hope um at work you have done so many different and important and interesting things unpack where you've seen hope at work a little bit within that context well i mean i've had the privilege of seeing it both in the lives of people living in very tough conditions and also through my work you know talking with world leaders uh, if we 
I mean, to give an example of people living in very tough conditions, I remember talking in um, when I was uh, working with Oxfam, I, I w talking with a, an older woman in a village in the north of Kenya, uh, miles and miles from anywhere, um, uh, quite near the Somali border, um, though we were assured we were on the Kenyan side of it. Um, and she, we, we sat in her compound with someone translating. Uh, it was warm, it was the evening, the moon was out, you know, the sun went down, the moon was out, and we just talked. Um, and, you know, she was sharing her worries about the future of the village, mm -hmm. and particularly that the young people who were becoming educated were leaving and going to the city. And yet she still had this sense of possibility and um, imagination for, for the future of the, this village and what the community could, uh, could be for her and for her wider family. Um, and, you know, for someone who, you know, there's no running water, um, indeed water, was, access to water was becoming a, a big issue. Mm. And a very, very simple uh, life of, of food being mainly grown locally and eaten locally and, you know, plus goats for milk and, and meat. Um, to have that sense of hope, um, despite the, the mm. pressures and the uncertainties, was, was wonderful. Yeah, and I imagine because of... of um, the kind of person that she sounds like she is for for her to then pass that on to those young people and her hope to become kind of their hope um, and the possibilities become their reality maybe in time it's exciting isn't it because it has to start with somebody having hope if nobody has any hope at all then that ripple effect is kind of well, it isn't there, is it? If you don't throw the first stone, there is no, no ripple effect. Um, you have worked with um, some incredible world leaders, people that have been seen in um, the public eye as having huge amounts of hope. What happens when that hope is kind of few and far between? What, what happens when... Um, you kind of get to an impasse and, and it's hard to find hope. Well, firstly, I think that the, some of the people we're thinking of uh, are people who are prepared to wait. Yes. Um, the, the group I worked with was called the elders. And, you know, they they had some patience. They had a sense of impatience of wanting things to happen. Yes, but also a willingness at times to, to wait and see and wait for something to happen that would change the situation, that would break things open, that would create new possibilities that weren't there at the moment. Yeah. And that willingness to be have some patience, despite the, the sense of urgency that often there is in sometimes terrible situations, was, I think, a, a part of their their the way they looked um, uh, at things and thinking about well what 
what is possible now and what might be possible at some future point. Yeah, I was listening to um, a, a podcast with Jon Snow interviewing the elders, and one of them was saying that you have a, a one minute silence at the beginning of the meeting. Um, and I found that very interesting, particularly in what you're saying in terms of patience, because it's giving that space to literally breathe, isn't it? And connect. Um, uh, I, I used to work in a, a school in Bradford and they used to have a two minute silence um, in the morning. So whatever was happening, you literally had young people who might be about to knock 10 bells out of each other and they had to stop for two minutes and just think. And it was so important. I think every school should do it because it's in those two minutes where the imaginings can happen, isn't it? It's in those two minutes where you can think, right, okay, do I want to carry on in this trajectory? Or maybe I can take a different path, you know? Um, and I love the way that this, this elder was, was talking about, um, you know, the need for patience and, and waiting and that stillness. That can be quite scary, can't it? Particularly in a situation where you're not sure where the hope is silence can be it's brave I think silence can be brave it, it certainly can and I'm I'm pretty sure that um that tradition well, so when I joined the elders Kofi Annan was the the chair so he, he was my yeah. boss yeah. Uh, and they didn't do that one minute silence at the beginning okay. of the meeting I'm sure that when it did happen it was when um Desmond Tutu Archbishop Tutu was the chair who yes. was in chair before uh, Kofi Annan um, and uh, he had uh, very strong things to say about hope um, he when the, the elders was formed they said to him you know well what do we call you you know uh, and he said you can call me Arch so we, mm. we all in the elders referred to him as just Arch yeah. and, and when I wrote to him I would write you know dear Arch yeah um, uh, he he would described himself many times in interviews and uh, on, on platforms as a prisoner of hope. Yes. And indeed, one of his sayings was, you know, I'm not an optimist. I'm a prisoner of hope. You know, optimism is very wobbly. You know, mm. uh, you sort of lock on to some assumed future event or outcome or result. And, and it can be very wobbly because then what happens if it isn't realized? What happens if something goes wrong along the way? If, if all your optimism is very rigid, very brittle, it, it can be very wobbly. Um, whereas he, uh, Arch Tutu, thought of himself as this prisoner of hope and always thinking about how can we expect the best? What, what good might come out of? this situation that we may or may not be able to see at this moment. And I think that's a very powerful um, orientation to have, particularly when times are hard, as of course they were for him through, you know, the years and indeed decades mm. uh, of uh, difficulty in South Africa at that time. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So the wobbles of optimism. I need to think about that for a minute. I like that. It leads me to thinking about um, what is often linked with hope, 
um, which is wishful thinking. Where yeah. do you think wishful thinking fits in the wobbles of optimism? Because I feel like wishful thinking is very much laid in the wobbles, <laughs> in the whatever those bits are. Now, now I know I'm on a podcast, I do this all the time, I'm wiggling my fingers up and down like wobbles. <laughs> but the bit in the middle, I don't know what the technical name is for that, David. But uh, I'm not sure what, what it is, <laughs> but I think the thing with wishful thinking, or the way we use the phrase, of course, is it's where we've imagined something, but there isn't a connection between reality uh, and the actual situation. Or if there is a connection, it, it's a very uncertain connection between the, the, the situation now and the, the future we're presuming. Um, and uh, you know, whereas I think hope is about recognizing, being realistic about the situation, but exploring what possibilities there might be. Um, you know, if you're, you know, wishful thinking, you know, that you'll win the lottery or something, yeah, fine, but, you know, 14 million to one, you won't. So um, w w rather than that kind of unrealistic wishful thinking or, or just sort of rather um, simplistic, you know, hoping for the best. I think hope is is a much deeper thing. And it, it, it's, it looks at creative possibilities, even in the face of difficulty and hardship. And I, I think the other thing about hope is that it increases when we act. Yeah. It, yes. So it's it's an active thing. It's not like, you know, you buy a lottery ticket and then just sit and wait and see. Mm. Hope is much more something that motivates and uh, encourages us to act on the basis of that hope. Um, not not hyperactivism, you know, where there's no real underlying basis for the hope, but but a sense of being propelled into action. Uh, in in support of your your sense of hope, um, and to to help enable what might be to come about, and particularly I think that action creates and sustains hope even more so when we do it with with others. I think there's um, a community aspect of hope that's very important. Um, and that together we can build each other's hope in a way that's much more difficult to do. You know, if you're Robinson Crusoe on the desert island and there's just you, yes. um, you know, you, you that that's harder. I mean, you can still have hope, I, you know, presumably for a ship to come and rescue you, or possibly if you're enjoying yourself too much that you won't have a <laughs> Not to come and rescue you. <laughs> um, but... But it's very different to, to having a community who are acting together um, to, to sustain themselves uh, and to, 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 to realise the sense of hope they have. Yeah, goodness, there's so, so much in that. I was just um, listening and, and not responding because my mind was just bouncing to so many different places. I think what I'm finding um, really interesting as a creative, is the use of the word imaginings versus um, 
the reality and the processes to make it actually happen. Because so often as a creative, when we talk about imaginings and imagination, it's very ethereal. It's it's very kind of, I don't know, almost, you know, it could be surreal. It could be absolutely anything. And yet you're talking about the processes needed to make it real. So you can wish to win the lottery and you're right it is an absolutely huge number of probability that it's never going to happen however if you never buy the lottery ticket (laughs) that probability is even less (laughs) so it's that it's that process isn't of putting things in place and it felt like um when I was listening to the, the podcast yesterday that that's very much what the what the elders do they look at what is possible and the 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 situation at hand but then also um you know what what can be done and talking it through and and um discussing it in a a real kind of tangible way but a, a a way that looks at the possibilities rather than the negatives and I think I think obviously the one of the you know the opposites of hope and I say one of them because I think there are probably a few but the most known is you know despair and despair is when that you cannot see any solution at all you can't see any way forward and so what you were then saying about hope needing other people to kind of support it just makes that even more important doesn't it because I think despair is so lonely it's so dark and it can take you to a place where you don't even feel like other people would want to share with you in anything um where do you see despair kind of come into play and where have have you seen times where there's been a definite desperation and hope has made a difference has kind of broken Sadly, you know, I can think of quite a number of instances of despair, and I'm very conscious um, in as we're um, doing this, recording this podcast now, of the situation of people in Ukraine facing. Uh, a Russian invasion and particularly the shelling and, and bombing of uh, whole cities and, and siege. Um, but I think we've seen in the past how even in those situations, people's sense of hope and, as I said, acting together can sustain and change that. Yeah. Um, I mean, certainly as we speak, there's enormous solidarity extraordinary solidarity really amongst and determination amongst the ukrainians yeah um but here's an example of an interesting thing on a a big scale you know we often think of the nhs the national health service in this country as something that was sort of happened after the war uh, Mm -hmm. after the second world war but actually the plans for it and the thinking about it was happening during the war um already i think in in 43 there were there were things being done to to look ahead to what do we want 
after the war, even though at that stage, you know, when was it going to end? How was it going to end? They didn't know. Mm. But there was that sense of we need to work together on what future are we wanting for ourselves when this nightmare comes to an end. Mm. Um, and, you know, and that's that's very important. And, and it's an example of this acting to, to create and sustain hope, but also how doing that opens up the possibilities of, well, let's think about, let's brainstorm about what, what might be possible um, uh, at some point in the future. And if that's done in a realistic way, you know, it can be this sustaining force through what can be very dark times. This is about looking at even when the situation is terrible looking at there can still be good things coming out of it and i thought about this in the context of ukraine and the terrible things that are happening there at the moment and yet some of the good things that come out this prayer was um found scribbled on some wrapping paper um near a, a dead child in ravensbrook concentration camp where almost 100,000 mainly women and children um, died. Um, I'll read it to you if I can, it's only very short. Lord, remember not only the men and women of goodwill, but also those of ill will. But do not only remember all the suffering they have inflicted on us. Remember the fruits we have borne thanks to this suffering our comradeship, our loyalty, our humility, the courage, the generosity, the greatness of heart which has grown out of all this. And when they come to judgment, let all the fruits we have borne be their forgiveness. It's so important to have hope. We always hope that you enjoy listening to The Race Podcast. And it's always good to be told. So if you will pop onto your favourite music platform and leave us a five-star rating, we'll know that we're doing a good job in raising confidence and inspiring creativity. Thank you. Back to the episode. Thank you, David. Yeah, it's, uh, it is definitely a time, as, as you said, um, as we're speaking now, where it's easy to see... Um, you know, the desperation, particularly um, in the eyes of, of those Ukrainian brothers and sisters. Um, and you spoke about the solidarity, and I think that is incredibly important. Um, I wanted to um, take a, just a, a side sweep, because the way that um, I met you and your family was when I worked with street children in Guatemala. And of course, um, in terms of hope, for, for a lot of the, the children particularly, um, it is a very kind of dark and, and desolate place. And, and particularly, you know, when, when we were there, they were seen as, you know, not very important at all. Um, and one of the things that I was unable to do um, while I was living with your family was um, write some songs um, about those children and, and we came up with the album Streets of Hope and uh, your lovely daughter Sarah um, sang on one of the songs and the song was about uh, starfish and the, the idea that that story of um, a man not wanting to throw a starfish into the sea because would it really make any difference and realizing that uh, actually it, 
it will make a difference to that one. Um, and going back to the, the community spirit, I think we are, we are seeing a solidarity with the Ukraine, which perhaps is surprising us somewhat. We're seeing those similarities, those commonalities. Um, and I think for so many people at the moment, there's just such a feeling of helplessness that we want to bring hope and we want to stand alongside them um, and kind of how, how to do that. Has there ever been a situation where you have felt burdened to bring hope and, but not being able to? I remember going to um, some parts of um, Eastern Europe, uh, not that far from Ukraine, actually, mm. in Georgia and uh, Armenia and Azerbaijan. And we went to see people who become refugees as a result of the conflict in Nagorno-Karabakh. And I remember talking to them and one of them pointed out, he said, I, I can see the village I used to live in. It's over there, but, you know, a long way over there, but I, I can see it. But I can't go there. And we're stuck living here in a refugee camp. And there seemed no prospect of the situation changing or improving. And other than saying, well, we can try and make the refugee camp a little bit nicer. Um, th there seemed nothing else to bring. And what I've been terribly conscious in the, what, 20 plus years since then, is that those people and their families, as far as I know, are still living in that refugee camp um, and of course that's the case for hundreds of thousands and in fact millions of people around yeah. the world yeah. that you know at the moment our news is all filled with the situation in Ukraine but you know what 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 are we what happens about all those worries about what's going to happen to the people of Afghanistan yeah. uh, following the pullout of the Americans and the British and the sanctions and you know no food economy not functioning anymore yeah. what's happening about the uh, situation in Myanmar with the military takeover there or in parts of Ethiopia where there are terrible things happening you know we our willingness to sustain interest and to sustain action is, is off, all too often quite limited. Um, and, you know, there are some issues around the world which continue to get lots of attention. Yeah. Not all the time, but, you know, they haven't gone off the agenda. Yeah. But there are others which quite quickly we seem to move on and we sort of we don't remember anymore we we forget and we ignore and you know something else has come about and I I find that you know quite troubling and and difficult and I a that it happens generally but also for myself and partly you know I I can't live coping with 
trying to keep an active interest and in tracking all these different situations all around the world over you know all this time mm -hmm. um uh it, it, it's very difficult to do that when it's 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 not your day-to-day -day job um uh and yet so i think well what can we do but it comes back to your bit to your story of that starfish you know we we can think well there are some situations or some people that we we will you know i will keep on top of yeah. you know i remember my um parents um for many years wrote to a, a political prisoner in russia actually um and um for years and he, he was you know locked up in a psychiatric hospital and you know they were in touch with his they, they wrote about him and objecting and tried to get letters to him and to his family um and it seemed hopeless and then eventually uh, he and his sister were allowed to leave. And I remember going to the airport when they arrived in this country, you know, with a, a, um, asylum uh, agreed. Mm. And, you know, then they came to our, our flat briefly. You know, I mean, it was astonishing, really, to, you know, to suddenly, after all those years, something had happened, something had changed. And now this thing that my parents had been um campaigning for you know over all that time mm. finally came about and you know you, you had to carry on doing it no, when they didn't seem any prospect but perhaps all that those years of campaigning meant that when things changed suddenly this now was possible and and could actually happen whereas if you'd just forgotten about it well maybe even when the situation changed there wouldn't have been a way of taking advantage of the change to bring about this positive outcome Really interesting. And I'm really interested in the use of the word we in terms of forgetting, because I think it's fair to say um, that you have been involved in so many different and important um, organisations and, and places where maybe you are not able to make um, a difference to, um, you know, one person but you are laying plans and doing those imaginings and giving hope to other people that will enable those things to happen in time um i i think the the things that you've chosen to do with your life have completely encapsulated and reflected hope and i understand what you're saying about you know you can't have all these things in your mind you can't carry absolutely everything that you see and everything that you do um, but to be able to be in the positions that you've been in and lay those foundations and um, you know hold hands with those other people that have got the same desires and, and um, hopes for the future as you have I think it's been very exciting um, and personally kind of watching you over the last um 20 years or so I think I've known you in the family now and the family as well David and all the different things that they've all been doing hope um has stretched throughout um that time would that be fair to say yes it would yes and um you know I think of my time for example with Transparency International you know trying to tackle corruption which yeah. is such a terrible 
um, has such terrible consequences in, in so many ways for so many people uh, around the world and um, no society is unaffected by corruption. But, you know, at, at TI, we had national chapters in about 100 countries. And, you know, some of them it was relatively easy and others it was very difficult. Um, in fact, for example, you know, TI have been campaigning and TI UK, um, which I was then chair of some years, was campaigning for years about the need to put a stop to uh, dodgy money being laundered through London and yeah. all, all these properties being bought. And, you know, it was very difficult campaign to get the government to pass laws requiring disclosure of who really owns all these properties, who's really doing this, not, you know, uh, anonymous companies or trusts that we can't find out who really are the beneficiaries and so on. Mm. And, you know, then suddenly, tragically, through all, all this stuff with Ukraine, suddenly the government can get a law together and put it through Parliament in, in a couple of weeks. Um, but that wouldn't have been possible if all that work over the years of, for, you know, preparing draft legislation, uh, setting out the arguments, uh, lobbying people so that you've, you've got people who do support it, but feel it's not possible to do at the moment, ready to go. And then suddenly when something happens, you know, finally, we can achieve um, a, a lot and, and have a, a significant move towards justice and uh, openness about uh, what what's really happening and, and how is money and power being used um, within uh, you know our own country and our own system. Um, I rather liked there was um, a, a couple of people who organised what they called kleptocracy tours in London. Oh, that's my new word. You, you, kleptocracy. So kleptocracy okay. means thieving. Okay. Um, and. Um, these tours where you, you went on a bus and it went round different parts of London and it would stop outside a house and say, well, this house was sold, you know, for five and a half million pounds to this person who had this job in this country, you know, where their annual salary was 60,000. And we're wondering how they managed to afford a five and a half yeah. million pounds house. Could it have something to do with their friends in positions of political influence? Yes. Um, uh, uh, and, you know, how come the estate agents and the banks and the lawyers didn't didn't say, hang on, this is this is corrupt. You know, yeah. we're, we're yeah. not we're not doing this. Um, yeah. uh, so, there's an example of an imaginative way of bringing the issue to life, you know, doing these kleptocracy tours um, to, to sow the seeds, which will have to lie in the ground for however long we don't know. But at some point, finally, they'll they'll come out. Um, and yeah. I think actually this this the thing about an important aspect of hope is time and thinking about what it looks like over time. And quite often when we look ahead, you know, it looks like a long time before anything's likely to happen. And we however are we going to get through it? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I mean, this is a banal example, but, you know, when I broke my ankle, as I mentioned, you know, you know, they tell you, oh, you're going to have to be wearing a boot and using crutches for six weeks. And you yeah. look in your diary, oh, six weeks, you know, mm. oh, this is awful. You know, oh, oh, one week, five to go. But then, you know, five weeks in or six weeks in, and you look back, it doesn't seem so long. And 
if you think about uh, the way we think about the periods of time, that does change over time. And sometimes at least quite prolonged periods of darkness can, can gradually shrink in our minds as they become longer ago. And um, the, 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 you know, the, the potential and the good things can, can, can grow. But I think that depends, of course, on on which, you know, <laughs> which sort of garden we water. If we water and encourage all the, the bad and, you know, to be thinking and ruminating constantly about all the bad times, mm -hmm. that that enlarges it in yeah. our minds and our lives. Whereas if we focus with others on on good things that have come out of bad times and of hope for further possibilities in the future, then I think those things become bigger and and that that helps shift our perspective. Yeah. It's not about denying the past, but it's about getting an appropriate perspective on it. Absolutely. Yeah. Just to um, kind of make it very personal to me, it's something that I mean, you know, I've been going through and the, the whole idea with long COVID and not knowing how long it's going to be and so many questions around kind of how does this look but um but knowing that doing something like this podcast whilst I have a, you know a different shift in time has been really important and it wouldn't have happened I don't think um unless I'd I'd got long COVID but the idea of time we definitely need to do a podcast episode on time um I'll have to think about uh, you can you and I can talk afterwards about a guest to talk about time but um it is it's just so shifting isn't it you it, you know and and it depends where you are as to whether it's a long time or a short time um Seb used to do the final thoughts at the end of episodes and he's uh, he's retired obviously because he's eight and so he needs to retire <laughs> from that um but he used to say a short while is a lovely long time and I think it depends on your perspective doesn't it um and and where you're at in life and whether you're seeing things whether you've planted things and you know they're growing even if you can't see them um or whether you you know just see the earth with nothing in it and just think this is this is never going to happen um david this has been a fantastic um discussion and um, we always have a little challenge for um people listening and so um for those of you listening today i do want you to think about um what kind of of outlook do you have where does your hope lie are you somebody that um can imagine um the future or are you someone that at the moment needs to reach out to other people in order to find hope we know that it's been a, a very difficult time um for so many people uh and um, the raised community is here for you to reach out to um, and if we can bring some hope to you and if David and I have brought some hope to you today uh, in the podcast then um, I think our job is done. David um, we now come to the part of the episode where I write you a poem so just bear with me one minute while I get it. Now I have to admit there are times when I bail on doing it completely live because it's important and I want to say the right things so I have written this already but I think you'll be interested in what I've written because obviously I, I had no idea what we were going to talk about and 
I love it when this happens because I think it fits really well. So, hope springs, hope sings, hope dreams, believes, says yes. Hope waits, excited, patient, impatient. It tugs to see what's round the corner, yet spends time on its knees in silence. Hope grows under the ground, unseen. It pushes its roots deep into the earth before the fruit is seen. Hope has been, is, and will be. Hope is critical, crucial, loudly silent, and violently peaceful. Hope is strength when the weapons no longer have any power. Hope is. There you go. Wow. Well, my goodness, how that uh, captured uh, many of the themes we've talked about. In fact, um, we could condense the whole podcast to just <laughs> should we just do that absolutely not our discussion has been so interesting david uh, as i mentioned at the top of the podcast you were a busy busy person doing such important things thank you for taking the time to speak to me this morning and to um our listeners and i hope um that you have um, a wonderful rest of the day that your ankle gets better very soon um <laughs> and uh thank you thank you so much thank you Thank you for listening to the Raise podcast. We hope you feel raised and inspired by this episode. Whilst we're not offering face-to-face classes currently, we are doing online singing lessons where you can have your voice raised as well as your confidence. If you would like to find out more, please visit our website at www.raiseforall.com or find us on social media on either our Facebook or Instagram page. Take care.